Here we go. You're listening to Long Gospel Rumination Tuesday when we take a look at the hymn. And this hymn is assigned actually for Christmas Day. Let all together praise our God. And we'll hear it right now. And that is Let All Together Praise Our God, uh, instrumental on the hymnal. It's really important. It was written by Nicholas Herman, who died in 1561. It was first published around 1550 in a set of three Christmas hymns that Herman wrote for the children he taught where he was a teacher. As the shepherds return to their flocks, so Herman calls upon all Christians to return praise to God. It's a joyous exchange. He borrows from Martin Luther who said, and this is the confidence that Christians have and our real joy of conscience, that by means of faith, our sins become no longer ours, but Christ upon whom God placed the sins of all of us. He took upon himself our sins. Christ himself is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. All the righteousness of Christ becomes ours. Nicholas Herman, like Martin Luther, would often write both the text of his hymns and the tunes for his hymns. And this, of course, is the hymn for Christmas Day. So I had called Pastor Smith about this, and what did you have to say about this hymn, Pastor well, Smith? Well, Tom, it, it's a great hymn, but, uh, you know, it was known to us in the, Luther, the old Lutheran hymnal as Praise God, the Lord, ye sons of men. Now, the world looks at that title, and they think that's kind of sexist. Uh, that might be the reason why they changed the title to, instead of Praise God, the Lord, ye sons of men, uh, they changed it to Let All Together Praise Our God. But, you know, this this is a great hymn, and uh, it's neat. It's neat to compare the language and and the and really the differences there are some different uh stanzas in the old lutheran hymnal as opposed to the uh the hymnal that our church now uses the uh the uh, lutheran service book it's just neat to to compare the verses it's a great hymn there's a lot of good theology in it too oh that's for sure so without further ado would you read stanza 1 sure let all together praise our God before his glorious throne. 
Today he opens heaven again to give us his own son, to give us his own son. Now that's kind of interesting. Today he opens heaven again. What does that mean? You know, that's <laughs> I hadn't really thought about that, but you're right. He opens heaven again. Uh, well, um, first verses of Genesis. Yeah, that's right. The, the I mean, spirit he, he op- hovered over the face of the waters. Well, I think I, it, it comes to the last verse, really, where he says, uh, or the, actually the sixth verse, the angel bars the the way no more to God our thanks, to God our praises rise. In other words, he is the key and he the door to paradise, to blessed paradise. The angel bars the way no more. That's what he's saying. He's talking about the fact that, remember, the, the cherubim with the flaming sword was guarding the way into paradise. And now Jesus, by, by God, by giving his son Jesus, uh, will open the way by his suffering, death, and, and resurrection. He opens that way again to paradise. The, the angel guards the, guards the gate no more. And that occurred because of the fall of Adam and Eve into sin. Right, exactly. So you would say that the Garden of Eden was heaven. It's it, it well, it's it's Eden Eden restored. Uh the yes. hymn uses the word paradise. He opens paradise again. That's well said. That's very yeah. good. I hadn't thought about that part. Uh-huh. And the re- reason he did that, because he gave us his own son, gave us his own son. And that, of course, would be referring to what? The incarnation. Exactly. Jesus. And that's what Christmas is all about. So we're looking forward to that. We're having a Christmas Eve service. When's your services? Well, I've got three services in a row. I've got Christmas Eve, which is a great, a great service, candlelight service, lots of singing, uh, and the Christmas story. And then uh, Christmas Day is a, ser- a special service of Holy Communion. And then Sunday falls right after that. So it's three services, bing, 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 right in a row. A lot of work, but a lot of joy and a lot of, a lot of blessing. You going to do the same sermon in each one? No. Oh. No, I've got three. Di- I've got three different messages. Boy, yeah, yeah. So you're assuming the people will remember Fridays to Saturdays to Sundays. Okay. Well, I, <laughs> yeah, I've always done it that way, Tom. I use different sermons for the the, the, the Christmas Eve is a shorter message, real shorter message. Yes. Uh, but Christmas Christmas Day is a full-length sermon, and, and the Sunday after that is a full-length sermon. But they're all different. When I was at my former congregation, Christmas Eve was also the Sunday school service. Oh, uh-huh, yes. That's the way a lot of churches do. And, and uh, uh, ours, ours involves the whole congregation. I've got some reading parts that are uh, a few reading parts from the kids will stand up oh, and good. read. And I've also got some adults standing up and reading. Yes. All right, I'll read stanza two. Okay. He, he leaves his heavenly father's throne, is born an infant small, and in a manger poor and lone, 
lies in a human stall, lies humble in stall. a humble stall. Yeah, humble stall. So he leaves his heavenly father's throne. Where was he at the heavenly father's throne? Well, he was in majesty. Uh, I, 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 I'm assuming that he returns. He returns, you know, with his ascension uh, to the right hand of the Father. Exactly. Yeah. And the right hand means the power of authority. Absolutely right. He's his right hand man. In in fact, Genesis one verse three makes it very clear that in the creation of the world in six twenty four hour days. There was nothing created that did not have the hand of Jesus Christ involved in it. That's right. That's right. Oh, the whole Trinity was involved in creation. But specifically, Jesus is mentioned in John chapter 1. That is right. Absolutely. He was yes. intimately involved in creation. That's right. Okay, stanza three, please. Within an earthborn form, he hides his all-creating light. To serve us all, he humbly cloaks the splendor of his might, the splendor of his might. Now, we know on the Mount of Transfiguration, there was a small percentage of his all-creating light shown, but why would he cloak it in order to save us? Well, that's part of us. his state. Part of his state of humiliation, if, you know, if he, you mentioned the transfiguration, if he would have shown all of his glory, it probably would have blown those disciples away. Uh, they were dazed as it was by just getting a glimpse of his divine glory. Uh, so within, he hides his all-creating light. I mean, for one thing, nobody can, nobody can see God. Uh in all of his majesty and power, face to face. We couldn't, this, this mortal must first put on immortality before, it can, before he can, we can stand before God in all of his majesty and glory. In fact, in heaven, yeah. it's described that there is no need for the sun. Why not? That's right. That's right. Why not? Well, because uh, the sun is is our light in heaven. I mean, at the S O N. S O N. Jesus, Jesus is our. He is our light. So there's no need for the S U N, although it, it appears it's still there. But Jesus is the light in heaven. That is right. And we know that because the first thing he created was light. And right. that was before the sun had been created and such. Exactly. That is right. Before the sun, moon, and stars, he, he created light and separated light from darkness. So within this earthborn form, which means he's a human being, he hides his all-creating light. Right. And I think your point is very good. If he hadn't, they would have been blinded. Yeah. All right, stanza four. Okay. He undertakes a great exchange, puts on our human frame, and in return gives us his realm. 
His glory and his name. His glory and his name. So the glorious exchange, how would you explain that? Well, he takes on he takes on the world's sin, all of the world's sin, and uh, many think that he did that actually with his baptism, when, yes. when he takes on the sins of the whole world, and, and when he was baptized, and in exchange, he gives us the robe of righteousness. He 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 takes on our sin, and instead, uh, gives us his righteousness. That always needs to be explained because while he takes on our sin, he never sins. And while we receive his righteousness, we hardly ever are that righteous. No, not at all. These are declarations of God. It's kind of like a courtroom scene where the evidence isn't sufficient to say someone is guilty, so the judge not guilty, you're free to go. And in a sense, though we are still guilty, God still allows us freedom to go because Jesus has paid the price of our sin. Yeah. And you know, it's sometimes, you sometimes pick this up in the prayers and the collects of, uh, you know, uh, of the hymnal, where if we do any good works, if we do any good works at all, it's always done in Christ. It's actually Christ that does them for us. He's the one that does them. We, If we do good works, it's always noted that it's, it's in Christ. Everything, is in, everything that we accomplish is done in Christ. He, he does it all. Which means only a believer can do right. good works in the sight of God. That's right. That's what you mean by being in Christ, that you receive Christ in your baptism. You receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And remember in Matthew 25, the sheep and the goats, the sheep and the goats may do the same works. They may feed the hungry, visit people in jail, but only the sheep are considered as doing the good work because they are doing it not as a good work that they do, but as a fruit of the Holy Spirit, which the Holy Spirit motivates us to do. Yeah, and it, it comes from that that one verse, I can do all things through, in, through Christ who strengthens me. Yeah, Paul says that. Exactly. Right. All right, I'll do five. He is a servant, I a Lord. How great a mystery, how strong the tender Christ, God, child's love, no truer friend than he, no truer friend than he. So, again, we have an exchange here between what and what? Between Christ and us. Yes, that he becomes our servant. And how are we a Lord? Well, he, we are, we, that's part of that divine uh, exchange, that great exchange that's, that's made. He, he becomes a, the suffering servant. He's the suffering servant that was talked about in Isaiah in the Old Testament. And uh, in exchange, we become 
a, a lord, you could say. We uh, uh, not in the sense that we're equal with God by any means, but uh, we become saints in Him. Yes, see how everything's in Him. And the might and the mighty fortress is our God. Talks about the devil is finished, and right. we lord over the devil. Right. One little word can fall him. That is right. And, and that's what we have through Jesus Christ. Uh, so that's really important. How strong the tender Christ child's love. So Jesus as a child is considered to be loving toward us simply because he humbled himself to become a human being. And did he therefore no longer make use of his divine attributes? He never ceased to be God. Jesus, even as a little infant, even a, an unborn infant in the womb of his mother, never ceased to be God. He was always almighty even then. He simply did not use his his divine power. That's his part of his state of humiliation. But Note that it's his love. Yes, he he loved us even in the humble estate of a of an unborn infant. He loved us that much. No truer friend. Isn't that a great line? No truer friend than he. No truer friend than he. He's the yes, friend of friends. Wasn't it President Bush who was asked who his greatest friend was, and he said Jesus Christ. Well, good for him. I I, yes. I uh, commend him for rec rec recognizing that. It was that now, Papa Bush or or his son. Uh, was Papa? I think Papa Bush was a, was a fine Christian. Yes. Um, you've got that situation you said where he did not make use. I think sometimes he did. For yes, example, he did. when they Miracle. are on a flooded boat. And he stands up and says, peace be still. Yeah. That's Jesus as divinity stopping the wind and wave because the disciples say, who is this man that has power over wind and wave? That even the winds and sea of him. Yes. Yeah, that's right. You're, those, exceptions, those are exceptions. His, his miracles, he does show his almightiness. And yet other miracles like the feeding of the 5,000 before he distributes the bread and the fish, he looks up to heaven. And That's gives right. Thanks. That's and right. That would be a miracle of the Father, then, mm -hmm. in that case. Okay. Your favorite verse, it sounds like. Number yes. six, if you would read it. Number six. He is the key and he the door to, par to blessed paradise. The angel bars the way no more to God our to God our praises rise, to God our praises rise. Hey, Tom, would you permit me to read? That's the final verse in the old version where he says, He opens us again the door of paradise today. The angel guards the gate no more. To God our thanks we pray. Whenever I, you know, whenever I go, that's my favorite verse of the whole hymn. Whenever I hear that verse, I think of two things. I think of the angel guarding the way into paradise, and I also think of how the temple, the curtain in the temple between the holy place and the most holy place, 
that was embroidered with cherubim, angels. And when, with Christ's suffering and death on the cross, that curtain was torn in two. The angel guards the gate no more. To God our thanks we pray. In other words, the way, the way to the Father has been opened by Christ's suffering and death. And that's what that's what this verse is referring to, too. He opens us again the door of paradise today. The angel guards the gate no more. To God our thanks we pray. So that, that way is now open. We are reconciled with the Father. Yeah, I have a little different interpretation there, because when the curtain is torn and Jesus brings judgment on the temple, it, that yes. no longer do they have God in the Holy of Holies, that what the, ten, what the curtain means is that God now comes to us. Comes to us that's one way of looking at it, are, too. Are a... that's, that's, a, that's another way of looking at it. The way is open. And you're right. He comes to us now through his, uh, through his word and sacrament. So the temple is actually our churches when our people come to church they are going into the way that the angel bars no more all the way up to the altar to receive the very body and blood of jesus christ that's right and the holy spirit makes our bodies his temple now the temple the temple in jerusalem served its purpose and it's now of course uh it's nothing now. I mean, it's reduced. Uh, it, but now our, our bodies are, are his temple. Yes. Okay. Stanza seven, please. Yes. Uh, your grace in lowliness revealed, Lord Jesus, we adore. And praise to God the Father yield, and spirit evermore. We praise you evermore. That's different. You know, the, all the other verses repeat the final line. This one right. says, and spirit evermore, we praise you evermore. Because who does the you refer to? Um, let me think. And spirit evermore, we praise you evermore. Praise to God the Father. I guess the whole Trinity, that's a, that's a doxological verse. So I suppose it's giving praise to the whole Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's correct. Yeah, because all three are mentioned. Uh, the one we adore, the other we give praise and to the Spirit evermore, and we praise you evermore is referring to the entire Trinity. See, that's what's found in the Scriptures. Even though the word God is in the plural, Elohim, right. it's always followed by a singular verb. And right. That shows three in one. That's right. Three, three persons, one God. Right. So your grace and lowliness revealed. How does his lowliness reveal his grace? Well, it's like he came, he came to Jerusalem to suffer and die, riding humbly on a donkey. Right. He came you know, I was thinking about that. I saw a bulletin in one of the churches I was preaching. The, the cover was a donkey. 
And it, what kind of situation was that one for Christmas? Well, of course, uh, he came on a donkey when his mother, his mother was carrying him in her womb, riding on Excellent. a donkey. Yes, and I never thought about that, that he entered into Bethlehem as they were riding on a donkey, the two of them, and he comes into Jerusalem on a donkey. Yeah. There's so much yet to learn from the Bible, isn't there? Oh, boy. Yeah. It's easy to put three sermons together and not contradict yourself on Christmas because there's so much involved with Christmas and the proper meaning. Yeah, in fact, so, I did a whole I did a whole series of Advent sermons on the different animals involved in in the Christmas stall: the donkey, uh, the camel, and uh, and the sheep. Oh wow, interesting! All righty, well, thank you very much, Pastor Mark Smith, and that was let all together praise our God, and we are looking forward to using this hymn for Christmas, as well as the wonderful readings for Christmas. And we look forward to having those worship services. We'll be back tomorrow, Wednesday. God bless you. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check out to Law & Gospel and mail to Law & Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132, or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod.